Imagine the following scenario. You have a financial advisor and you meet with them about once a year. The last time you saw them, you had a good job, everything was nice and steady, and it made sense for you to be in the investments that the advisor selected for you. But then everything changed. You lost your job, you got a divorce, and suddenly the picture is completely different, but your advisor doesn't know, and you stay in those same investments that they picked for you then. That's a problem that can arise when there's a communication gap between advisors and their clients. The communication gap can mean that you're in investments that aren't right for you. And in the worst case scenario, it might be the beginning of a long and costly legal ordeal. People are generally very private about their lives. They're private about their history. They're private about their relationships. They're private about their money. They're private about what they want to do with their money or what their goals are. And those are such key things to share with your advisor. Our guest on the show today has thought a lot about the communication gap. In fact, she wrote the book on it. Today, we'll be talking with Ellen Besner, litigation and regulatory defense lawyer, partner at Babin Besner Spry, and author of two books, The Best-Selling Advisor at Risk and its sequel, Communication Risk, available at babinbesnerspry.com. Ellen will be talking about what you, the investor, can do to improve communication with your advisor. The other voice you'll hear is Christine, Associate Director of Education at Advocus. You're listening to Financial Advice for All, a podcast about personal finance brought to you by Advocus. Tell us more about the gap in communication between advisors and clients. The communication gap between clients and advisors is that advisors don't know what the clients understand, and the clients are shy and embarrassed to really ask questions. And then both of them are kind of rushing through the meetings. They're not maybe being as engaged with each other. And so I'm really trying to encourage them to engage with each other, for both of them to kind of slow the process down so that clients really feel comfortable to ask questions and advisors get all the information that they need to really make sure that whatever they're building around the client is really appropriate for that client. So something clients would be embarrassed about is showing how little that they know about investing, for example, or the planning process. They're embarrassed to ask those questions because they don't want to look stupid. What they don't realize is most clients don't know the answers to these questions. And so I try and encourage clients by saying to them, you need to assume that nobody knows these answers. Whatever question has popped into your mind, it's likely that out of 10 people, there might be nine people who don't know that answer. So try and relax with your advisor, try and feel less self-conscious, and really try and figure out what are the questions I should be asking to make sure that I'm fully informed. And to do that, you really need to be comfortable with your advisor. You need to pick an advisor who makes you feel less self-conscious if that's possible. The other piece of it is people are generally very private about their lives. They're private about their history, they're private about their relationships. They're private about their money. They're private about what they want to do with their money or what their goals are. And those are such key things to share with your advisor. 
If you feel self-conscious about them or private about them, it doesn't make for a good relationship and it really causes a huge communication gap. And the other thing is is that clients really need to understand that if they don't share these things with their advisors, they're really not probably going to be achieving their goals. So to achieve their goals, they need to understand what don't they understand? What do they need from their advisor to help even formulate what their goals are? And are their goals reasonable? And an advisor can help them get there if they have that open dialogue. Yeah, that's great advice. So maybe don't be so rushed in a meeting. Take your time and ask questions and be, and be comfortable asking questions. Any yes, other advice? And, and really listen to the answers because sometimes people, even if they get to the point where they're asking questions, they need to really be open to what the answers are. And then they need to be really engaged in what the advisor is telling them and then ask follow-up questions. It's hard to do that because it's such a learning curve for some people. So you do have a checklist of do's and don'ts for clients. Is it possible to go through some of the don'ts that clients should keep in mind? Yes, so I guess to understand uh, my first don't, (laughs) it's costly to change your advisor. And there's a lot of hidden costs because the new advisor likely will change their portfolio. And there could be costs associated with that. So like any relationship, if a client is feeling that there's a roadblock or something holding them back with their own advisor, try and sort that out before you just decide, I'm going to move to another advisor. Sit down with your advisor and say, these are the things that make me feel concerned. These are the things that make me feel uncomfortable. I would like to change this relationship in this way or that way. And don't just, you know, move on. So that would be kind of my first don't. Um, And then my second don't would be don't pick an advisor just because somebody else tells you that they like their own advisor. I really like my advisor, and I tell people, I really like my advisor. And then they say, so can we have your advisor's name? And I say, yes. I also want to give you two other advisors who I've never used because it's such it's so important for you to interview them and make sure they're a good fit for you. And it's never good to really just go to one advisor because somebody else says that they're good. There's got to be a proper fit. So don't just pick any advisor who someone recommends to you. And don't just pick the advisor who's the lowest fee. You know, it's like anything. When you get estimates on a contract for your house to do some work on your house, the least expensive contractor might not be the one who fulfills your needs. So it could be that the least expensive one is the best for you. But that's just one factor in several that needs to be considered when you're picking an advisor. You want to just look at the whole picture. You want to look at the character and the engagement factor you can have with this person, their availability. Like for me, I'm really busy, so it's really important that my advisor comes to me, is available on the phone, is available by email, and I, you know, occasionally I will go to where my advisor's office is, but, um, and, and that's fine, but I like to know that if we have a meeting scheduled, it's likely that it's going to be convenient for my schedule. You know, some advisors will not go to your office and some will, right? So that was an issue for me. 
Or even come to your home if you prefer or whatever. Yes, or not. Like yes. some people want to meet in an office, right? And some advisors don't really have an office. They have a home office. So these are kind of small issues of convenience that you need to consider. What works for you? Do you recommend almost interviewing a few different advisors? I don't almost. I actually, <laughs> I do recommend that you interview more than one advisor. Uh, that's why I suggest, you know, more than one advisor if somebody asks me. Um, but I really think it's important to figure out in advance of the interview, what are your goals and what what do you need? And one of your goals may be to set, you know, figure out what your goals are. A lot of people don't know what their own personal goals are, and they're embarrassed about that. Don't be embarrassed about that. Figure out who's going to help you get there. Who's going to help you formulate what those goals are and figure out the roadmap to getting to achieving those goals, if they're possible, or giving you a wake-up call that you're going to need to change substantially in order to meet your goals. They have to be realistic goals, and you need to have an advisor who's comfortable enough with you that's, who's going to you know, say, uh, well, these are kind of tough love kind of advice for you. Sometimes you need to hear things you don't want to hear from your advisor, just like you need to say things to your advisor that are uncomfortable to say. And so you need to have that relationship where you feel free to do so, right? Exactly. I, I agree with you. Okay, so Ellen, you have a list also of client dues as well. Can we go over some of those? Yes. Yeah, so I mentioned that you need to pick an advisor who you're comfortable with. You need to interview advisors if you don't have one. Uh, to make sure that they have the skills that you want. It's, it's similar to picking other professionals like a doctor. You want to make sure that the doctor or the advisor has the personality that you like, but they have to have the skills that you need. So, for example, if you need somebody to develop a financial plan for you, you're going to want to make sure that your advisor either does financial plans, prepares financial plans, or has somebody on their team. In my case, my advisor has somebody on uh, the team that does the planning. And that's fine too. I'm perfectly comfortable with that. Um, if you're looking for somebody, for example, who is uh, a mutual fund expert versus a, an, an, a picking stock expert versus all different kinds of things, bonds, it depends on what you want. Now, you may not know what you want. You may first need to develop that plan and figure out from there. But you want to make sure that the advisor isn't just somebody who you feel comfortable with. That's certainly key, but also has the skills that you need. So another very important quality to look for in an advisor for a client is uh, listening skills. So uh, what a client should do is when they interview or meet with their advisor for the first time to determine whether or not that's an advisor they want to work with, is the advisor listening to their answers, really? Because advisors um, who don't listen carefully to what they say are probably not going to be able to do what the client wants. So. Clients should be looking for who's a good listener, who's asking good follow-up questions, and probing into what the client really needs or wants, letting the client kind of run the meeting if they want to, or not, right? 
So clients may feel uncomfortable in that first meeting if the advisor's asking follow-up questions. I personally think that's a really good sign because it means that the advisor is hearing them, is listening, is engaged, isn't rushing. And those are great qualities to have in an advisor. So Ellen, once a client has chosen an advisor to work with, what are the steps to ensure success? Hopefully by the time the choice is made, the client and the advisor have talked about what the client wants in an advisor or how the advisor can help them figure that out and how they like to communicate with each other. I think that what's really important is for the client to understand how the pricing works, how the, how it, what they're paying and how they're paying so that there's no surprises later on. The key is to avoid any surprises. It's like any relationship. When people are surprised, they get disheartened, they lose faith, and that's when clients complain. So it's best for clients and advisors to have clear communication around communication. Is it by email? Is it by phone? Is it in person? Does the client understand the statements? Is there communication around the first statement that the client receives? And it's very important that if the client doesn't understand the answers given as the relationship progresses, that they stop the advisor and they say, I don't understand that answer. It gives the advisor a very clear message as to how sophisticated or unsophisticated the client is, so they make sure that they adjust their answers to express themselves in a way that the client really and truly understands them. So as the relationship progresses, it's very important to continue the communication, to continue to tell each other, both advisor and client, where the relationship needs to be adjusted, changed, and where the pricing comes in, where it is on their statement, how they can understand it, and every so often check in with each other. I also think it's important to determine the expectations of both the client and the advisor as to how frequently they should meet throughout the relationship. The advisor, for example, may really think it's important to meet once a year with the client. The client may feel that's just too much or not enough, and that all has to be discussed, preferably early on in the relationship, and again, that can change. As the relationship progresses, progresses, the client may go through different stages in their life where they need more or less advice from their advisor. So they need to communicate that. Clients need to communicate to their advisor, here's a change going on in my life. I need more. I need less. So for example, if they need a mortgage and they know that their advisor is not in the mortgage business, they could talk to them about how they feel financially about buying their first house or selling their first house and buying a second house and what the advisor can do to support them through this journey. And it's the same thing as you get older. Maybe they're selling their house and downsizing. Maybe they're selling their house and moving into a senior's residence. Maybe they're selling their house and moving in with their children. It's very important for the advisor to understand how the client is experiencing life from a financial standpoint. As an Advocus member, you're automatically connected with your local chapter community. But did you know that Advocus members can also connect in to any chapter activities across Canada? 
Explore your chapter network for study groups, professional development support, volunteering, networking, and more. Be part of a culture that fosters ethics and professionalism. Advocus Chapters, supporting the advisor of the future. How did your personal experience shape your relationship with money and your relationship with your advisor? Personal experiences really shape uh, your how you view money. Everyone has a personal story that shapes how they view savings and spending and debt and risk and financial security. And for an, a client to share those facts with their advisor is very important. And understanding how it impacts yourself is super key. So in my case, I had financial security until I was 11 or 12 years old, and then I had no financial security in my life, and I go into detail in this in my communication risk book. Because of that change, that really shaped my need to have financial security. And so I became educated, I put myself through school, it was very important for me to have um, a job that I knew that I could make enough money to support myself and my family. I've always been able to do that because that was my first and foremost guide. My kids might say that my mom wasn't around enough, but now they appreciate why as they have grown older. And so, um, you know, you've got to be true to yourself and to your, um, your values. And you need to share that with your advisor so that they understand how to help you. So I shared that. I'm, I'm not a shy person. So I, in case you didn't know. <laughs> um, so I shared that right up front with my advisor. And I said, look, I need your help to make sure that I have the kind of financial security that I can sleep well at night. And uh, my advisor understood that and helped me get there. So when I felt nervous about financial security, my advisor would give me the confidence that I'm on the right path, that I'm moving beautifully, and that was super helpful for me. If I had an advisor who made me more nervous and said all the things that would make me more nervous, that wouldn't have worked so well for me. So that was key. But of course, your advisor has to be honest with you. If I wasn't on the right path, my advisor would have to tell me that too, right? So what's key is to explain your personal story. They have to, you, clients owe it to themselves to share their personal story with their advisor. So the advisor understands why it is they either spend or don't spend or save or what their views are of risk. It's very important to share that so that the advisor knows how to help them and what how to help them figure out what their goals are and how to help them meet their goals. You've been listening to Ellen Besner, author of Advisor at Risk and the sequel Communication Risk, talking about the communication gap between financial advisors and investors like you and what you can do to bridge that gap to make sure you get the results that you want. If you enjoyed the conversation, make sure to subscribe to the Financial Advice for All podcast so that you don't miss any more great episodes. The Financial Advice for All podcast is intended to be used for informational purposes only and does not provide accounting, tax, investment, legal, or other professional advice. Before making any decision or taking any action, you should consult an independent and appropriately qualified professional. 
You can review our full terms of use at financialadviceforall.com slash terms of use.